Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And you're going to enjoy today. I know you always do, but today's a special day. My friend Dominic Damaski is with us. Uh, I've interviewed Dom before. This uh, podcast is number 319, and I interviewed him back way before uh, number 100. And so uh, we've been doing this for over three years. And I've got to tell you that uh, in addition to being my friend and soulmate, Dominic's my publisher, and uh, he publishes other people's books, mine and his own. We'll talk about that in a little bit. He's an inspirational author, a YouTube host, sales expert. He's the founder of the inspirational sharing and publishing platform, Motivation Champs. And he's the author of a bunch of books, which we'll talk about. One of them in particular, one of them's The Journey of a Grunt and Don't uh, Double Bread the Fish. He's the creator and co-author of the hit books, The Unofficial Guide to Fatherhood and Go Ask Your Dad. And he recently released a, a real hard-hitting ebook about how to write a book. And it became uh, immediately became a bestseller on Amazon. His greatest accomplishments, in his words, are his two children, and he aspires to be the best husband and father he can be. So without going into much more of his background, and there is a lot, Dominic, thanks for being here. Paul, thank you for everything you do. I'm honored to call you a friend. And let's just say it right off the bat. Paul is somebody I turn to from the messages he puts out every day where I find myself listening and just thinking about life a little differently sometimes when I hear Paul's message. So I'm thankful for you. Thanks. Well, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. One of the things that I wanted to talk about just kind of to begin with is, well, I think it's your latest book called My Name is Sharon, which chronicles the pain that your family feels when your mom's advanced memory loss collides with the global pandemic has happened in the last couple of years. And the, the book is really compelling. So I really recommend people get it. My name is Sharon. It's, it's a timeless love story, and it attempts to put a face on Alzheimer's disease and explain the grief and the guilt felt by the families quietly mourning the loss of the living. The loss of a loved one is never easy. However, and these are on the, the book notes, we attempt to find comfort in the special memories we've shared together. My name is Sharon is a journey through a collection of precious family memories. We meet the kindest of spirits and uncover the deep connection between Dominic and his mother, and that's true in the book, and learn why this beautiful soul will be remembered as far more than a victim of disease. I'm getting goosebumps just uh, reading that because I, I got a lot of goosebumps reading the book. And uh, I, I think I would have even if I if you and I wouldn't have been friends. But it's it's a wonderful book telling a wonderful story. So, Dominic, just talk about that and the response you've gotten from it and what you hoped it would do and what it's done and those things. First, writing is 
different for so many people. And a lot of times it's cathartic, Paul. So people have a goal when they write a book, so many different goals. Some might write a book to supplement their business. Some might write a book to create a legacy. Some might write a book cathartically. So when I wrote this story about my mom, I had no clue how the story would end because my mom's been battling, going on about a decade now, battling Alzheimer's. It's been about mm. really five years, six years since she's really known me. And here I started sharing this writing about the struggles, my guilt. I, I still have immense guilt. Like at this point, the point we're chatting, COVID just closed down the nursing home for the last month and I haven't seen my mom. And that was the journey. Who knew two years ago that COVID was going to last two years? And so I started writing this story, just telling about my mom's journey, who she was before, all the time she had protected me when kids picked on me for being goony and frail and talking with this hoarse voice. That he, I had the same voice when I was six years old. So I'm sure I got picked on and things like that. And my mom was always there for me, defending me. And so now at this point, I felt like I needed to be there for her. And I wanted to share her story and not this story of that, not of the woman she was now that Alzheimer's had stolen so much from her. Mm -hmm. I wanted to show this woman that loved everybody and made me who I am. And so that that's a story I hope to tell. I tried to tell Paul, it's being received well. And I'm thankful that maybe some people realize that they're not alone. And I think a lot of times with Alzheimer's, we talk about it in the shadows because our loved ones are so special to us. We don't want people to know that they're being robbed of their dignity, being robbed of this and that. And so you, you really do hide it. And I have guilt of how I hid it. And that's what the book was about. I just wanted to try to open up a little bit. And hopefully I was able to accomplish that. Well, you did very well. And uh, most all of us have, if not a close family member, uh, at least a distant family member or somebody in the church we go to or in our business or our neighborhood or something who's uh, either has Alzheimer's themselves or somebody in their circle of friends does. And the book is, is really helpful. And I didn't even think about the COVID thing, keeping people from seeing that. I, I knew that people couldn't go see their loved ones who had COVID in the hospital. I didn't think about the Alzheimer's thing until I read your book. And so it's very powerful. Thank you for writing it. And I really encourage people to get it. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Who's the publishing company for that book? I, I hear it is Motivation <laughs> Chance, which is interesting because I had moved away from writing books like that because I feel that my time, my passion is to share inspiration. And how do we create the ripple? How do we impact the most people? I realized that I can help the most people by helping them share their story. And so me... Hmm telling a story is one person, but how could I help more people? And so that's why you'll see across social media or something like that, or with the publishing, it's how do we share more stories? How can we reach out farther? And, and so for me writing, I had been removed from it is, and that's why I said, like when I first started, I didn't even know what I was going to do with it and was it even appropriate, but I put it out and that's um, hoping sure. people say nice things like you. Well, thanks. Well, in a little bit, we're going to talk about helping 
other people share their stories in, in kind of a, a unique way with uh, my newest book that you're publishing. But before we get to that, tell people, if you would, about this uh, fascinating and I think very compassionate and very compelling ministry that you're involved in uh, in Pittsburgh that you've been telling me about. Share about it and what's happening there. I'm so thankful you give this uh it's not often that you're able to have a platform like this to tell about something you're passionate in. So it's called Feeding the Spirit. And it was a Methodist church let us set up in the bottom of their church originally. One of my friends, dear friend, Deb Thacker, she was running on a trail, running every morning, and she started to realize there was a lot of homeless out on the trail. And she wanted to make an impact. And at first it was dropping off sandwiches and things like that. Well, she reached under their blanket and she would talk to them and started to get familiar with them and become friends with them. So then her and a friend, Chris Arts and a few other people, Chris was a member at this Methodist church at the time. And they said, you can use the bottom of our church to have a meal. So at first they were cooking the meals and I went in one day because I was in a business group and Deb came in and told us about what she was doing down there. And I thought, wow, this was amazing. And so there's been a weekly meal for about 10 years. I think we just hit 10 years and now it's 11 years. And so we're talking tens of thousands of people. I think last year, if you're doing 200 a week, 52 weeks a year, that's about 10,000 meals a year. Yeah. And what we realized is so it's it's not a soup kitchen. It's fellowship too. It's it's a community where people are coming to get together where there was the woman Nellie, she told me one day that she started coming. Her husband had dementia. And she came there because it was tough to make meals and things at home. And now she came there and everybody treated her and her husband so kind. And be started to become friends. And sometimes I think the volunteers are getting far more out of it than the guests. And over the years, what we do is we try to help people break the barriers of poverty. So you will see that, oh, well, a meal. Uh, yes, a meal is great. It helps instantly. But there are things we do like provide rent assistance, keep people from temporary homelessness that could lead to problems later. So last year, I think we spent about $70,000 helping people stays when they're about to be evicted from their homes, or just sometimes you don't know a woman may be, and I know some, this is something you're passionate about, Paul, single, single women. You may be at the Blackburn Center, which is a center for battered women. You may be there and not have a place to stay. You may have went to, you may have reached out to Catholic charities or something like that, but they can't do something immediately. The state might help you, but they can't do something immediately. So our thing is really, can we help you today? It could be gas cards. It could be IDs. It could be a ride to work. It could be a bus ticket. And that's really an understanding, okay, what are these ways that this is a cycle that how could we break? Maybe if somebody had clothes to wear to work tomorrow that they, or a ride to work or an ID, it may help break those other barriers, Paul. So you go there once a week or whenever you can to help? I do stuff nonstop every day. I'm actually, at this point, I'm the vice president. So they brought me in and I've been there about six, seven years at this point. And we have the weekly meal. Over COVID, we got moved out of our basement and we had to go to the park. So now we're doing a lot. So 
we went from about 200 meals a week to about 500 meals a week. And we were going, we were in a local park in the winter, um, in the winter, in the summer, we're still out in the, we haven't went full time back into the basement. So we set up a drive through right now where we do about 200 cars every week. So a lot of times I'm there on a Thursday night. Sometimes I'm not because I'm a volunteer. Some weeks I might be driving my kids around. Then sometimes you might see me three weeks in a row, or sometimes I might be picking up turkeys or giving somebody a ride, but it is, it's really a community with hundreds. I'm a, I am such a minuscule part of the hundreds, hundreds of volunteers, thousands and thousands of donors. It's called feeding the spirit feedspirit.org and always trying to make a difference in different ways. Wow, that's wonderful. I had no idea it was that all-encompassing and you do so well in, in telling about it. And your friend started that just from on her walk seeing. Oh, One of the things that I want to get across is some people would think, well, how did this person end up like this? We have zero judgment. Zero. Well, how could you have zero judgment? Because that's what you have to learn. So let's say me talking to you. About 20 years ago, I lost half a million dollars in the restaurant business. I was a restaurateur. I went broke and lost half a million dollars. At that point, I was in a government repayment plan where they were garnishing wages and things like that. I, at that point, I was thankful because my parents had helped me with a college degree and pushed me down that way. I had family and friends nearby. My sister-in-law, Kim, made me spaghetti dinners sometimes and other people pitch in. There's so many people out there with no family. There's so many people out there with family in different states. There's people that get dropped off from the prison. They served whatever time and now they're out. They're out. They get dropped off. You say, well, how's that work? You get out of prison that day with the $200 that you have or no money. And they send you a bus ticket or your family hasn't talked to you in five years or three years and you have nowhere to go. So you take a bus to the next city. Now what? Day one, you're in trouble. And what we try to do is help people avoid relapses and what could happen in those situations and get people back started. And I love talking about this. So I, I will tell you one that I'm super passionate. There was a couple a few years back that came in on one day and lovely looking young couple. And there was, she had been, she was a teacher and the gentleman owned a construction company and they came for a meal one evening. And then a couple of weeks later, they were there helping out and they had fell on some hard times because the construction company, the guy owned people weren't paying or they're in the rears collections tough. And now all of a sudden you're behind the eight ball. This last Christmas, this family, besides helping out, and they're involved in, somebody told me they were at Big Brothers, Big Sisters one day. They saw them there. But this guy's construction company has taken off at this point. And over Christmas, they donated $5,000. So the full circle of just a, a hand up, not a hand out, and great things were able to um, come of it. Wow. That's what it's all about, isn't it? That's way more important than uh, building a big business or uh having a best-selling book or uh, having an acting career or whatever. I mean, all those things are good, but, oh, guys, that so ties in with, um, I found, Don, that I, I can make things tie in where there doesn't seem to be a, a tie, but I, it's just the way my mind works. But it so ties in with what we're doing with our new book, Grace to All, which is the same name as the podcast, 
in it, going back to you wanting to connect other people and, and provide a platform to other people to tell our stories, what we're doing, I've taken, uh, as I mentioned, this is the 319th podcast. Some of the people I've interviewed, we've done more than one with, but I'm taking 85 of those guests and in the book, we've got a two-page article about most all of them, and we're telling about what they're all about, the things that they're interested in, what they have to offer to people, uh, their passions, their interests, how they help people. And then in the book, we have an information uh, section that tells about the different ways you can connect with them. Some it's through getting their books. Some it's through a podcast or a a YouTube video. Uh, Some it's just being in a Facebook group or something like that. A few of them, uh, not many, but a few of them have active ministries that might even be an official church, although the like mine, we meet online anymore. A few of us meet in person, but it's all on Zoom now. But my goal is to help people around the country and around the world to connect with these folks and to find out about them and to be enriched by their books as I have. I, I Almost everybody that I've interviewed who has written books, I, I've read at least one of their books, usually most of them. And many of them, I have watched their videos and listened to their podcast. That's how I found out about them and was prompted to interview them. So the book is about that. That was my initial intent. And when I started the podcast three years ago, I just wanted to see if I could do it. I liked podcasts, you know. I'd written a couple of books that you'd published, and I thought, well, I have a message of grace to all that I want to get out. Maybe this podcast thing would be a good way. I wish when I'd started, I would have taken the time to have written a little two-page thing about everybody I interviewed at the time, because now my brain's a little foggy on some of the details. So we're putting that together now. So when I decided to write this book, then my intent was just to help people connect with them so that people would be encouraged and inspired by their messages. Well, then it kind of progressed into another thing where we started a ministry here that's somewhat similar to the ministry that you talked about, Feeding the Spirit. Ours is for single parents, primarily single moms, but there certainly are also single dads too. But it's generally single moms that have the hardest time financially and in other ways too. And our goal is to have 100 people give $100 a month, $10,000 a month, that then we can turn around and give back specifically to single moms and their families. We copied this after another ministry uh, based out of Colorado that's doing that, and and they have more than $10,000 a month coming in. We're just getting started on that. But in the last couple of months, we've been able to provide about $20,000 worth of help to single moms. And uh, one of them, uh, I just got a text from a little while ago before we started uh, this uh, interview, and she has a five, six, seven-year-old daughter, was married. They were in a nice apartment, both her and her husband worked which is how they were able to pay for the apartment and other things. Then things didn't turn out well with the marriage, and uh, he left. I certainly won't go into the details, but they're divorced now. But she stayed in the apartment and had like four or five months left on the lease of it. She had to pay by herself, and then she had to find another place to live. Well, somebody else in our group actually provided a place for her to live. It was a house that they owned that was vacant and was in disrepair, but they got it fixed back up. She was able to move into that and very reasonable rent, but she didn't have any appliances. So we found out about that, and she's very frugal, very good with her money. And she works full-time. She's making a living. So I said, well, 
you know, find the, what you need in the way of appliances and tell me what it's going to cost. And she said, well, I, I've been looking around. I've been looking at good use stuff and things, but I'll get that together. So a couple of days later, she told me that she'd need about $2,000 to get the appliances that she needed. And she was going to be moving into her new quarters in just a couple of weeks. And she didn't know how she was going to get those appliances. So we gave her a check for $2,000. And I, of course, she was blown away by that. And it was a wonderful thing to be able to do to help her and her little daughter. And as you're aware, Dom, I know because we talked about this a little bit, single moms uh, are among the most vulnerable in society. And uh, sometimes they're living in a car or in a van uh, with their kids because of, not because of choices they made, but just because of bad stuff happened and COVID and losing their job. One of the things with single parents is, and a lot of single moms work more than one job, but kids get sick. And in a lot of jobs, you can take off from work and stay home with your kids when they're sick. You do that too much in some jobs and you get fired. Well, then you not only don't have any income, you don't have any insurance. And it's just, it's a vicious cycle. And so being able to help people in those situations, we, we were able to help a single mom get her car repaired so that she could get to work. And just other things that it's fun to do that. There's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of addictive, <laughs> like, like you uh, going to feeding the spirit. And so in the book, I talk about that and I give people the opportunity to connect with us to do that. Or, and I make it very clear, there's another ministry very similar to this in Colorado, they can check out, or even better, they can start their own. The guy who started the one in Colorado, his goal was to have a single parent group like this in a hundred different cities. Well, there, there are two now, but that would be great for me too. We help people in other towns. We, we've actually helped some people in other states too. The, the way we've set up our ministry, which, which is called Grace Restoration Team, anybody who gives to it, and some people give $100 a month. Some people give the whole year 1200 in advance. Others have given more than that. Some people give five bucks a month. It doesn't make any difference. No gifts too small or, or too large. But anybody who gives to the ministry can recommend somebody for us to get in touch with and talk to about being helped. And so we've helped people in uh, Arizona and, you know, different places that somebody from around the country knows about who's part of our ministry. And so we've helped people that I've never met, which we're glad to do. I mean, I talk to them on the phone or on Zoom, but it's more meaningful when you can be face-to-face with somebody like the mom that we helped get her car fixed uh, to meet her face-to-face and and you know, Dom, she was so grateful. She didn't expect it at all. It cost her $2,500 to get her car fixed. She'd been renting a car for two or three days and was going to have to rent it a couple of more while I was being fixed. So we gave her $3,000, which covered fixing it and the rental car thing. And she didn't know us. We didn't know her. But somebody recommended her who gives to the ministry. And she was so grateful. And, you know, she was choked up and tearful and stuff. And her words were... I just don't deserve this. And I kind of joked with her and I said, you know, I'm the one that gets to decide whether you deserve it or not. And that's just the way God is. He decides that you deserve it. And we're just kind of an extension of what he's doing. Single moms, and there are a lot of people like this, but single moms can just be beaten down and feel like they're not worthy, feel like, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't have 
kicked the bum out, even though he'd had five affairs and was beating me and my kids every night, you know, you know, maybe it's my fault or whatever. And, and society as a whole has not done a great job of affirming single parents. Like you said so well, unconditional love with the people who come with zero, zero judgment. Because then it's so easy to look at somebody and say, oh, well, they made mistakes. They're getting what they deserve. They, well, God didn't do that, I found out. And if God were to judge each one of us <laughs> on based on whatever mistakes we might have made, we'd be in deep weeds. And unfortunately, a lot of people think God is like that, but he's not. So we get to help single moms, not only financially, but help them spiritually. We're going to give them all a copy of the book. We Now we give them copies of my other books, but we're going to give them a copy of the book that will help them spiritually, as well as hopefully them connecting with somebody who may be in their hometown or within 100 miles or whatever that can then check on them, help encourage them, maybe do different things, whatever, just to give them a night out with the kids or whatever, that kind of stuff. So it's a double meaning that we've got now with the book. And uh, we're excited about it coming out. Uh, my publisher tells me it'll be out in the middle of April. So I'm going to hope that that's true. <laughs> and whenever it comes out, it'll be fine. But in that book, of course, there are pages about you and there are some of your other authors too, people that I have interviewed because you've told me about or or I've interviewed them and told you about them. And then you've published their books. So, you know, they're, I'm probably going to miss some when I do this, but Brett Neal is in it and Chris Worth and Coach Q and Carla Wicks and, uh, you know, the others I'm forgetting. Lisa Yang, John Gardena. Yeah. 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 yeah, A couple people that we're both attached to, I think maybe Brian P. Swift was in there. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Talked to him before. Uh, yeah, you're doing good things. I think imagine the platform that the platform you're giving all these people to share their story. And then by using your platform, you're able to help all these single women. So that it's so much bigger. It's never about Paul and Paul always, you, I've mm -hmm. never heard Paul say one thing about himself. It's always about helping other people. So it's, it's quite honorable. Well, thanks. And all the money, all the proceeds from it are going to single parents. So when somebody does buy a book, the proceeds from that will go to provide another book that we can give to a single parent. And whatever money's left over that goes into the fund to actually give funds to these folks. And we're just getting ready to announce some different ways that people can be involved in that and provide some books for other people and all of that. So it really is exciting. Gosh, I'm sensing and feeling more excitement about this than about anything I've ever done before. Now, when, when we started a free medical clinic, that was before the United States had affordable care, Obamacare, whatever you want to call it. When we started that and were able to provide free medical care as well as food and counseling and some money and stuff, that was exciting. That was addictive. I just like like what you're doing now. I spent most of my time there and at the expense of some other things, but it was worth it. But this is as exciting as that, and it's what's happening with me now, so it's uh, even more exciting. As you talk, I'm writing down because I'm thinking about more ideas on this current concept because, like you said, when you created this spark and so many people are wanting to get behind it, and I'm thinking, boy, I'd love to have a newsletter. I'd love to know periodically how many people you've helped and thing in some updates on the stories and things like that to stay involved as part of that process. So 
you're doing good work, Paul. I'm, I'm well, pleased thank that you. you've included me into the world of Paul Gray and, and <laughs> <laughs> the grace to all world. Well, you know that's very mutual. And the time that we live in is so exciting in so many ways. The, you can call it the age of information or the digital age or, or whatever, but uh, chances are you and I would never have met if it wasn't for the internet. Chances are most of the people that I've interviewed, I would never have met if it wasn't for Zoom, it wasn't for Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and, and things. And then COVID with all of the horrendous things that have come from it, your mom's situation included, technology has given a lot of people a way to connect that they didn't have before and to connect in ways that are, I don't think anything's better than face-to-face in-person meeting, but certainly able to connect with people that we never would have before just because of time and space. So it's an exciting time to be alive and to be doing what we're doing. No boundaries, right? No boundaries. (laughs) No boundaries. Don, as we get ready to finish up, and again, as I mentioned before, in addition to my friend, you're my publisher and you do great work there. Tell people how they can connect with you, not only with Motivation Champs, but where they can get the books that you've written and the other things that you do. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. You can always find me at Motivation Champs. So look up Motivation Champs anywhere. When I say that, we are trying to be on Facebook, on Twitter, in your library, anywhere sharing inspiration. So that's Motivation Champs. Even the website's called Motivation Champs. And really, you'll find us there sharing inspiration 24-7, sharing Paul's podcast and sharing pictures of people running, finishing marathons or losing 20 pounds or a quote from the Bible or something that just moved them on that given day. That's what we do 24 seven, try to share inspiration. And I mentioned that feeding the spirit. So if you check that out, it's on Facebook, feeding the spirit, feedspirit.org. So please connect with me. I think everybody has a story that can make a difference. So I say, just get out there by whatever means necessary and share that story. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, Don, thanks for taking your time. Really appreciate you being here and your encouragement and support and inspiration. And I encourage people to check you out and connect with you and see what might happen. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for being with us for another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. See you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.